I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to a special edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. We were going to do one this week, and then uh, Derek Taylor came up with some news. And <laughs> we thought, uh, as a uh, as much as anything, just to salute someone that uh, we have a, a lot of admiration for, both professionally and, and personally, uh, uh, and this being timely as well, we wanted to have Derek on, talk about the Rough Riders, and talk about his new gig with CJOB in Winnipeg, he's going to be the next voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So Rider Rumblings may also uh, morph into Bomber Bumblings today. Bomber Fumblings? Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to work on that one. I'm here with Murray McCormick, our uh, our, our veteran football writer, and of course uh, Derek Taylor from uh, CKRM, CGOB, a man with dual allegiances for the next <laughs> next few months. Uh, first off, uh, DT, uh, congratulations on the new gig. Uh, I think i uh, Replacing Bob Irving uh, is a, a tall order, but it says something about your your ability that uh, that uh, a plum job such as that, and, and one that has been filled so legendarily by Bob Irving for nearly fifty years, is, is now yours. Uh, they couldn't have picked a better person in my uh, in my appraisal. So, congrats! You have the floor. Thank you, uh, Rob. Yeah, it's it's a daunting task, right? Both in being the person who would fill the job, and for me, being the person who's going to uh, assume the job. Um, yeah, Bob has been incredible from the first time I met him back in, gosh, must have been 2002 when I was covering the, the Bombers for the TV station I was working at. And he's been nothing but uh, incredible to me and such a gentleman that, uh, yeah, that they thought I was worthy of stepping in for Bob is, is it's, it's an honor, honestly. Murph? But the Blue Bombers, I know it's a legendary position. I know it's your home, kind of your hometown, and you have ties to it. But really, I'm kind of curious. I've been reading on Twitter, and some of the uh, Twitter reactions have been interesting. I haven't seen a lot of of, uh, 
complaining and stuff, but what have you noticed the reaction of you picking of all teams the Blue Bombers to go to? Oh, uh, people people are generally pretty nice so far. I mean, there are people who are mad, but I mean, it's we're all just rooting for laundry here in sports, right? Like it was, <laughs> it was nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety nine. Uh, I, I was working at TSN. I was a writer in the newsroom, and I wrote a highlight pack one day, and I put in, "Oh, Jimmy Rollins, he's the next big thing," because Jimmy Rollins was on my fantasy team. And this is a dumb story, but I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute." That kind of fandom changes how you perceive things as a, you know, a journalist to whatever extent I'm a journalist in my in my role, right? So I'm like, oh, I kind of have to take my fan hat off and just become a more neutral observer. So honestly, I just ended up taking the colors of wherever I've been. Uh, I was at an Argo game against the Bombers, so I brought both jerseys. I had my Teague Sherman jersey, and then I had a uh, Argos T-shirt. And whoever had the whoever had the ball, that was the the one I was wearing just to entertain everybody I was with. So. Uh, I've I've been so happy to cover the riders for three years, and the, the passion here is incredible. Uh, but I mean, I in my role, I don't feel like I should be a fan. I should be biased in favor of the team I cover because you meet the guys and you like them and you get to know them. But you you have to have that step back. So while a fan may not flip from the riders to the bombers, it's really it's really not a big thing for, you know, the person covering the team to flip from the Riders to the Bombers, in my estimation. But the first time we ever had you on a podcast, it was not long after you joined uh, CKRM, and uh, it was not long after the Rough Riders had re-signed Zach Kalaros, and I was um, not necessarily enamored with that move. And uh, we sat in our studio at the... At 1964 Park Street, you were good enough to come in, and it was on that day that you declared that you were a proud denizen of Kalaros Island. And yep. now we find out three years later how seriously you take that residency. <laughs> well, and how right I was to be the Absolutely. governor of Kalaros Island, right? Yeah, I, uh, I'll take a knee on that one. Yeah, no, I, I, I came in thinking that Kalaros was was going to be what he's shown to be in Winnipeg, and it's it's a shame it couldn't have been here because of what happened in week number one in 2019. But uh, yeah, no, that was you have to you have to. Honestly, you just have to believe what you believe. You have to kind of make up your own mind about stuff. So as I've been the voice of the riders, there's stuff where they'll do something and you're like, wait a minute, should they really be doing that? And not everything, like not getting off uh, two plays before a field goal attempt at the end of half, like that's uh, that's not great. And you can't say it's great or it's just fine. Like you're like oh, that might be a thing that we should look at and watch it as it evolves and turned out, hey, Craig cleaned all that stuff up in 21. Luke and I didn't ask him about that. I think ever in 2021, but you, you just have to be able to look at it somewhat critically yet while still remaining biased in favor of the riders because you know who you're delivering it to. I guess we're kind of burying the lead a little bit here, but I'm going to give you a chance. Maybe you could explain why you've made the move to Winnipeg, Derek. I know you touched there's a little bit. Yeah, there, there's a bunch of, honestly, there's a bunch of reasons uh, why. When, when I took this job, I always, you know, I thought this was the last job I was taking. I remember talking to you, Murray, and like, this is, this is a job and I, I think I'm going to retire here. And I absolutely thought that was the last time I was ever going to apply for or have to interview for a job. But things happen. Uh, things happen. There's, it'll be said, it'll be said that uh, he was looking for a better work-life balance. That was the third of three factors as to, as to what really uh, made me want to leave the group I work for now and go to CJOB. Uh, there's, there's other stuff there. Honestly, the, a big part of this is the chance to 
be, you know, Winnipeg is where my wife Fiona was born and, and lived most of her life. Winnipeg's the place where I have spent the most time in my, my working life. I was there from 01 to 2014. So there's an appeal in, in that respect. But uh, yeah, there's there's a ton of factors that are... I will give you a call maybe on the one-year anniversary and, and we can talk about the, the full reason why. There's, there's stuff that happens behind the scenes that you don't necessarily agree with. I just well, you the, want to mention the second too. voice of the Rough Riders to end up at CJOB. First, there was Jeff Courier, and yeah. uh, now you. Yeah. So it seems to be a nice resting place for uh, voices of the Rough Riders, erstwhile voices of the Rough Riders. Jeff Courier was uh, so terrific as well. Yeah, I, I never got to hear Jeff as the uh, voice of the Riders, but I got to know him when he was at CJOB. He is a master. Uh, and I know he's, I believe he's retired now, but uh, he was a master. I was in the studio with him one day and, you know, he's, he's throwing the clips and he's coming back. And in the meantime, he, he would, he would walk that line of turn the microphone off, curse like a sailor, stop cursing, <laughs> microphone on. And then he's back talking in radio voice. I'm like, wow, that is, that is a real tightrope you've learned to walk. He was, he was so good. I, I, I love listening to Jeff Courier on OB. Well, I used to sit next to Jeff at, in the press box at Regina Pats games. And just for just for the heck of it, he would sit there and do play-by-play -play in French just to amuse me. And it was like, come on, it was so good. It was <laughs> even with my complete non-understanding of, of French, it was just Jeff was so terrific doing the play-by-play -play in in French and of course uh, English as well. So uh, <laughs> I don't know why I threw that in. Murr, please save this podcast. You mentioned work-life balance, Derek, and I know I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you did play-by-play, -play, covered practice, and then would go do how many hours a sports gauge show yep. every day, five days a week. And I, I kind of wonder, you mentioned that you're not going to be doing that in Winnipeg. I wonder how much that got you, trying to do basically two jobs in a window. <clears throat> excuse me. I know when practice ends and you have such mm -hmm. little time to get work done. And I wonder if I had the opportunity to maybe – Take that out of your life was not was involved in this too. Excuse me, I'm losing oh, my voice. Yeah, no, and, and that's the work life balance we talk about in season. Uh, it is it, it is nonstop and go go go. And it and you notice there there are two sports shows in town, right? And you look across and you go, well, there's a host and there's a co-host, and I presume there's there's a producer for the show and there's a person who covers the riders. And I go, well, wait a minute, I do all those, yeah. and I occasionally have a host. Oh, and then, by the way, uh, when it's game time, that's me too. And you go, oh, okay, that's a lot. So when you think about it in that context, you go, that's a, that's a lot of work for one person. And I was absolutely blessed to have, have folks uh, helping me out with some of the stuff that I would have liked to be doing but ran out of time. Mitchell Blair was a godsend for me with uh, putting out, out uh, stories on the web after practice. He would take my notes and, and, and make a story for uh, the CKRM website. So I was always thankful for for what Mitchell was able to give me. But yeah, you're, the way you, when you think about it in those terms, you go, that's that's a lot of work for one person. And after a while, it does get to you. Uh, as, I mean, in season, right? Where we leave practice sometimes at 2.45 on day number one because the quarterbacks and receivers work longer. And four o'clock comes at four o'clock regardless, right? There's no negotiating with 4.05, the mic is on and uh, start talking. So yeah, it's it, the days can be a lot. They, they're a lot of fun, but they can be a lot. And it sounds like with the bombers, fans, Derek, get... are hoping that uh, the next time you the the two times you've you've called a rider bomber playoff game, you've been the voice of the losing team. I think rider fans are hoping that if it comes to that in 20, 2022, <laughs> that trend continues. Uh, 
how do you see the riders stacking up against the bombers because the bombers have set the bar and the riders have a great cup at home here and i mm -hmm. think that's going to be the the uh, win and place horse in whatever order in 2022 in the west well let's let's keep an eye out on calgary and if bc gets average quarterbacking from uh you know a young guy nathan rourke they could be a real problem uh winnipeg once again and we've talked about this on the sports cage winnipeg once again has gotten its superstar players back under contract. And I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know what fairy dust they're sprinkling on dudes to make them come back. But like Jackson Jeffcoat is a guy I, I have said, as a GM, I would have made the highest paid defensive player to get him to leave Winnipeg. He's back in Winnipeg at a salary probably well below what he could have got on the open market. So what is it about them that allowed him to get Jeffcoat, Jefferson, Big Hill, Brandon Alexander, Zach Caleros, uh, back under Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick back under contract. You watch that and you just can't be, you, you can't not be impressed with the elite talent they've been able to, to get back into their, their lineup. The riders, they've gone kind of, they've gotten, I'm trying to say, is it some, some of their elite players back, right? AC Leonard, boom, back under contract. Uh, but Micah Johnson gone to Hamilton. Ed Ganey off to Edmonton. Luches Purifoy, who I love. I love watching Luches Purifoy work off to the BC Lions. Okay. Um, Duke Williams. Excuse me. I shouldn't forget Duke Williams, who I think was the second most important free agent there was on the market, period, uh, is back. So they've they've let some guys go and haven't gotten back all of the guys I would have considered their stars. So right now, at this moment, advantage Bombers. But there's, I mean, they kind of hinge on is Zach Caleros healthy? And Zach was healthy in 21, and they uh, they won the whole thing in overtime. So uh, still still things can happen, but right now I think advantage Bombers. You know, the Winnipeg lost Kenny Lawler, too. They lost Andrew Harris. It's not yeah, like true. they didn't lose notable players. They didn't lose as many of them. Yeah, for well, for sure. And they, they had these super elite, like Stanley Bryant, best left tackle in the game. For me, Jamarcus Hardrick. Let me think. Less best right tackle in the game. Kalaros MOP. Uh, Big Hill was MODP. Uh, those two ends are just crushing dudes. And they lose Steven Richardson to BC, so they absolutely did lose some talent. But I mean, they they had they had a lot to play with. So uh, it's we'll know more when training camp rolls around, right? When the rubber meets the road, we see how all these guys end up working together. And let's not kid ourselves. The Bombers got to some degree lucky last year in that. They lost their boundary corner and boundary halfback in Winston Rose, Marcus Sales, replaced them with two rookies who were fantastic. And then Winston Rose came back. And you're like, oh, okay, well, they they dodged a bullet that a lot of other teams can't dodge, whether through good scouting or just just luck that those guys worked out perfectly. Well, Douglas, give us a highlight. I know he only had three years and two years of actual football. Maybe yeah. Yeah, a highlight from 2020. There's a test for you. <laughs> Well, it was the third edition of Reunited in Green. Yeah, no, it was 2020 was long. <laughs> I know that was long. How about from the two seasons you called, actually called? Oh, my goodness. There's There are so many. Like, there are the sarcastic ones, like, well, the two-and-a-half-hour rain delay or two-hour, six-minute rain delay <laughs> in the Toronto game, and I think that was the first home game I called, the 30-minute smoke delay in the, literally the first-ever game I called, the exhibition game in Calgary. There was – we all kind of learned the rule that it, from the Montreal game in 2019 that if it's past 7.30 of the third quarter and it's delayed an hour, the game is called off. Oh, that's a rule? Okay. Well, <laughs> now we all know. 
But uh, honestly, maybe the best football game and the most, maybe the most entertaining football game I, I ever saw, at least in the last decade, was that West semifinal, the Stamps uh, here against the Riders. All the turnovers and three picks for Jonathan Moxie and two picks for Ed Ganey and back and forth and drama and overtime. And then Renee Paredes, who was the, the best kicker in the league in 2021, misses an overtime and, and it's Brett Lauder time. And on comes Brett Lather and Luke's call of that was just, it was just perfect. He's like, here comes the best kicker in the Canadian football league out of the field. He's like, look at Fajardo. He's already walking to the locker room. I will, (laughs) I will remember that game forever because I mean, I I think both you guys were there. Oh, yeah. Both you guys were certainly there. Murray covered it and Rob with us at halftime. It was, I don't know what it was like 11 to eight. It was sloppy, but man, it was fun. Oh gosh, that game was terrific, and I love every every second of calling that one. So that's one that'll stick with me. But there's there's a million little plays. AC Leonard intercepts uh, game one BC 2021. AC Leonard intercepts Nathan Rourke to finish that game off. Uh, the third game against the Bombers in 2019. Chris Strebler thinks he's going to throw a tunnel screen to the wide side. But Luchez Purifoy notices something that I think Dembski does, and he steps right into it. And he's like, yep. And Strebler hits him right in the numbers. You're like, ah, all these little plays. Micah Johnson chasing a guy 55 yards downfield to make a tackle. A defensive tackle goes 55 yards downfield to get, I think it was Johnny Augustine. Like, there are just there's so many little memories that I'll, that I'll take away for sure. I'm going to bring up your touchdown call of Duke Williams in the final. I think that was the final. Please. <laughs> yeah. I found right. it on I mean, YouTube. Mistakes. Well, yeah. I, mean, I just noticed the enthusiasm and the passion and the excitement about you describing that that one play yeah. and how you nailed it. It's only like thirty five seconds or whatnot, and that's you know, it's. I think that was the last touchdown they scored in that game. Came out a long time since twenty twenty one. There wasn't a huge list uh, of them. That yeah, was a good. No, Mur, that uh, thank you. That call, like that call, when I hear it now, like uh, I didn't when they when they put it out. Uh, I think one of the podcasts put it out. Uh, I was like. Well, I call it a run blitz, so I just misspoke there. Yeah. And I've been talking. I've been talking about Shaq. Uh, I mentioned Duke stats just before that and said Shaq, uh, no targets, no catches, no yards, no impact. So when he when Fajardo throws the ball, I say to Shaq, but then I immediately pick up it's Duke, right? And then he gets he leaves his defender, and then he gets around Alexander, which I did not expect to happen. And you go, this is the play we've been waiting for. Now in game 16, this huge, this huge play. Oh my God. I was, uh, we, we felt it every moment of it. And it happened that it was just the end of the third quarter. And, and Luke goes, and the entire province of Manitoba is silent. And it it was, it just, it was so quiet. And it was going to be that way through the commercial break because the bombers were now trailing. Ah, God, that's, that's the play of the year in the CFL in my mind. Cody Fajardo absorbed so much heat this past year. Um, but I think his nicest throw as a rough rider was that pass to Duke Williams. Just perfect throw, not an easy throw to make. Beautiful touch on the ball at a really crucial juncture in an important game. Um, mm-hmm. A, as a, I guess, a small assessment, what did you think of that throw? And B, where do you think the riders are with Cody Fajardo right now? Yeah, Luke likes to talk about uh, throws that go boundary to field, like that one was. And that's a big, long throw. And it's, if I remember it right, he was at least in single coverage. So he, he had a little to play with, and, and Duke can take balls away from anybody. That was an amazing one. He had one in Calgary this year where the game hadn't been going well for Fajardo, but he just said, 
forget it. And he just hammered one in between a, like a triangle of defenders in a very tight window where I was like, oh, that is that is the real deal there. So Fajardo's really had some had some beautiful stuff. Where are they with Fajardo right now? He had one season to me. One season was amazing in 2019. Uh, one season in 21, his accuracy wasn't as good. Um, his completion percentage over expected wasn't as good. Uh, and uh, we talked endlessly about the deep ball. He was the lowest rated deep ball passer in the league in 2021. But that's a stat that, as you watch it over years, really fluctuates. Like he was number one in 2019 and he was dead last in 21. You know, that's a real big fluctuation. And oh, by the way, in 2018, Chris Strebler was the top-rated deep ball passer in the Canadian <laughs> Football League. So it, it comes and it goes, right? If he completes, well, he was something like 11 of 70. I haven't checked the numbers in a bit, but it was a very, it was really low. If he completes 10 more of those passes and becomes the you know a middle of the middle of the league ranked deep ball passer, okay, well, four of those are going for touchdowns, so that'll improve things, and they'll actually probably win it a game or two more. I to me. He's a quarterback who has a really high floor because of his incredible ability to run, be it the designed run game or the scramble run game. So right off, you're set up pretty good. And Fajardo is an accurate passer. Like, he's an accurate passer with a good arm. It's not the strongest arm in the Canadian Football League, but it doesn't have to be for reasons like that Duke Williams pass. It gets there. That's all you really need. It doesn't have to get there, you know, uh, fit, you know, tenth of a second quicker than it did. I think they're in a good spot with Fajardo. I, I think we're... We're going to need to see more of 2019 this coming season. But to me, there is no – he would have to have six bad games in a row in 2022 before I even contemplate replacing him if I'm if I'm Jason Moss. Was um, it Cody or was it the receiving core with Shaq Evans being injured and ineffective and the offensive line not even remotely resembling the offensive line that – that Cody had in front of him in 2019. Um, was it Cody? Was it personnel around him? Was it a com combination of both? Oh, yeah. I, I think I think it's got to be a combination of everything. The one thing that was noticeable from the stats, from 19 to 21, as we tracked it, the Bombers allowed the same amount of quarterback pressure. Like on whatever it was, a quarter of his dropbacks, Fajardo was under pressure. That was the same in 19 as the same in 21. But in 21, it looked like that pressure – I mean, they were throwing the ball very much shorter downfield, right? Cody was getting rid of the ball quicker, and yet the pressure was still getting to him at the same rate. So, to me, there's troubles in protections, and there's troubles in, in maybe in play calls that he you know, he may not be in love with. I, don't, I haven't talked to Cody about that. But that, to me, says, okay, well, there's trouble in protection. And then, like, I will, I will forever give them a pass on – they had 17 guys on the six-game injured list at one point, including Shaq. Jordan Williams-Lambert wasn't wasn't around. Duke Williams hadn't come to town yet. Kyron Moore tore his ACL. Like, they had – they had – they, to me, get a huge pass for 17 guys on the six-game injured list. So, when those guys are back, when it's Shaq, Duke, Kyron Moore, Kean Schaefer-Baker, and whichever receiver takes that, that uh, R spot – they're going to be honestly. They're going to be improved in 2022 for sure, in my mind. Rob, do you want to take a quick break here, Rob, for a oh, moment? Oh yes, or two? we got to do that. We are mandated yeah. by uh, Mark Melnichuk, our our uh, producer, to take a quick break. So, with that very smooth segue in mind, we will take a quick break, and we will return very shortly to uh, the Rider Rumblings podcast. We are hoping Derek Derek will include his dogs because Candy is going to get a cameo.
We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. As promised or threatened, we are back on the Ryder Rumblings video podcast. And here is Candy, who uh, has better questions to ask than I do. Uh, being that I'm in a slump, I'll defer to Murray, who can begin the second part of the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. Remember that? Cool. I'm going to let everyone know we're, we're here with Derek Taylor, the outgoing, literally and figuratively, voice of the Rough Riders, heading over to the Blue Bombers, and it's great he's spending time with us. Uh, you had the opportunity, and it was different dealing with Craig Dickinson as a head coach, basically an open book, answered our questions. You're heading mm-hmm. to a head coach who's not quite as forthcoming <laughs> with information. And maybe, I, I know, I heard his interactions a couple times with Bob Irvin, and they were amazing. Like, you could just tell the respect between the two men. But what are you anticipating between a change between Craig Dickinson and uh, Michael Shea? Yeah, uh, Craig, Craig is just, he's a gift to any broadcaster, any reporter, anybody, right? Because he doesn't. He won't un- unleash the whole thing. He won't tell you everything he's thinking, but he'll tell you some of the things he's thinking or some of the things that went into his decision. And and that's what that's what we need, right? That's that's a guy who holds a ton of information about a game that we love and want to know more about and want to understand better. And he's willing to give that to us. Uh, the couple times I've talked to Mike O'Shea, uh, I, I asked him once. Uh, it was perhaps the Banjo Bowl in 2019. I was like, oh hey. You guys switched your field 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 halfback for this game. What went into that? Anyway, what do you what what are you asking me? Like, oh, your field halfback is different this game versus last game. Is there anything that went into that? I was looking for. Oh, he got injured, or oh, you know what? We just wanted to change. He's like, oh, we just saw that at practice. And I went, oh, okay. So there's not going to be a lot coming no. coming from Mike O'Shea to at least the opposing broadcaster in that case, which. Totally fine. Other guys are, are protective of their stuff. Uh, from what I understand, from what I've heard, like O'Shea, when he does uh, the coaches show on Mondays, is terrific. Terrific. So when it comes to game time, if they want to keep, if he wants to keep things secret and wants to keep things in-house, totally understand that. It just, you'll, we'll, you'll find a way around it as a broadcaster or a writer. You'll, you'll talk to someone who is connected to it or in my upcoming case, I'll get to talk to Doug Brown, who is a Hall of Famer and a longtime bomber, and go, Doug, what's what do you think is behind this? What's going on behind the scenes? That's why we we get former athletes, right? That's why Luke Mullender is such a such a boon for for me at CKRM. Like he can get into the psyche of what's going on, and he may not know the exact reason why that thing happens, but here's why it happens other times. So let's let's maybe assume that's the case. So I'm. I'm prepared for whatever. Like we're, everybody's going to be happy, and uh, we're we're all sort of on the same team. Why are so I'm... many football coaches absolutely obsessed with secrecy? Um... Well, that's so funny because everything's on tape, right? Like everything's on film. Everybody got you. you any of us, any well, the three of us, can click on the all twenty-four of every CFL game from twenty twenty-one and see exactly what happened. So every coach knows what every other coach is doing. I get if you don't want to tell him your trick plays, but you know if if uh, if Murray says, uh, 
cover two. Can you can you explain to me how you run cover two differently from another team? They could do that and not sacrifice anything, but a lot of a lot of coaches don't want to do that. And it's as a guy who want I I always want to know more about football and more about this and that. And well, how's cover two different from cover four? How, what do you run three man front? What blah blah blah. You know, I I would love to know more about that. And I'm always happy when guys are willing to give it up. But it 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 does. When every other coach in the league knows what you're doing, why don't you just tell us what you're doing? I don't I don't necessarily understand that. Well, I go back to the Vince Lombardi power sweep, and everybody knew that they were going to run it. And he even did that famous video for or film for NFL Films where he basically diagrammed the play on a chalkboard and said that basically Paul Horning goes up the alley. Seal here, seal here, up the alley. Everybody knew that the Green Bay Packers were going to do the power sweep. There was no secret to that. And Vince Lombardi, who was as, pretty much as secretive as it, as it got, still had no problems diagramming that play. If you, mm. if you execute the play perfectly, they're not going to be able to stop in any way. And I remember dealing with Ken Miller, and Ken had a great appreciation for it. He just felt that the media is a conduit to the fans and the, and the broadcasts are Boom. a conduit to the fans. And you're not necessarily talking to Rob Vanstone, Murray McCormick, Derek Taylor. You're talking to a legion of fans who I think are, like you said, not entitled to all the information, but I think, I think you got to give them a reasonable idea of what you're doing. And I think you need to engage the public. And I look at the C C CFL right now and I don't see an engaged public to the extent that it needs to be. So why not be a little bit more engaging, a little bit more forthcoming? Yeah. It's not the entire solution. It's not a panacea. But I think it's, I don't think this militaristic attitude toward protecting information is really what the CFL needs at a time when they need people to pay attention to them and to feel yeah, engaged. And, yeah, I, I agree. And then and it becomes upon, it becomes on coaches and players to open it up to us. It becomes then on us as the media too, right? To be poking and prodding about that. And to be curious and go, oh, hey, you're you're having Key and Schaefer Baker at the X wide receiver spot. No, no team in the CFL in the last six years has run a Canadian at that X receiver spot. What led to this? You know, it, it's on to, on to us to ask those questions and and hope to get the answers and maybe pry just a, a little bit. But yeah, it's teams need to open up to us and we need to know enough on our end to ask those questions to give the fans the answers they're truly looking for. I'm going to take you to your sports cage hours and hours and hours. One of the things I found kind of funny last year was your relentless criticism of the Ottawa Red Blacks. From the word go, <laughs> from the word go, you are on them. They're not going to win two games, and you're darn close. What about this year? Are you going to be seeing praises of the Red Blacks? What, they made 17, they signed 17 players on the first yeah. day of free agency? How about, yeah. has Derek got any love for the Red Blacks now? <laughs> let's, let's establish this. In 2019, I said they were going to finish dead-ass last. They finished dead last in the Canadian Football League. <laughs> 2021, uh, despite text messages and DMs I would get, I said they're going to be awful again because they. I love the coaches they brought in, but they didn't have great talent, and they finished dead last again. <laughs> so when they when they go in free agency and they start signing dudes, they start with Masoli. They're going to need some luck in their receiving core injury-wise with Darvin Adams and B.J. Cunningham, but they add in Jalen Acklin, you go, okay, that's good. They brought in some offensive linemen. All right, here's Kwaku Boateng. Okay, now we're getting now we're getting something. Avery Williams back. The best punter in the league is back. Uh, Lewis Ward, one of the top two, three kickers in the league, is back. Ottawa right now, um, I, I told people on the show, like they're 25 to 1 to win the Grey Cup in one online book. You should take that immediately because 25 to 1 is ridiculous in a 19 league. 
Ottawa right now is the second best team in the East in my mind. Uh, to me, it's still Hamilton one, but I don't know about Dane Evans entirely. But Ottawa right now, talent-wise, with those coaches in La Police and Mike Benavides, Ottawa looks like the second best team in the uh, in the East. So I just want to say I'm not biased in favor or against <laughs> any other team. I just I just see what I say. I thought they looked terrible in 19. They did even when they were 2-0 and after beating the Riders in that game, and I felt like a total mush. Uh, I thought they were going to be bad in 21. I think they're going to be playoff. Con- I mean, I think they're number two in the East in 2022. So who replaces the Red Blacks as your, what do we call them, the dogs oh. of the CFL, the worst team in the CFL? I mean, get, don't let's malign get on to- dogs. Don't malign dogs. Yeah. Candy, don't listen to this. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah, I think Toronto was 7-1 and one in one-score games last season, which that – you, you see historically tends to regress. So I think Toronto's in for maybe a little bit of skid. I don't know. Montreal, I, I don't, at this moment, I don't look at Edmonton and see a lot that I like there, honestly. Kenny Lawler was fantastic last year, but he's now 6% of your salary cap. I think James Wilder's a fantastic running back, and I'm going to use fantastic a bunch. Uh, I love the thought of Ganey and Grimes at halfback. That's very nice. Dion Lacey, fine in the middle. Um, I, but they, it feels like they want to go with a rookie at quarterback, be it JT Barrett or Kai Loxley, or forgive me, I'm forgetting the third name of the young guy there. Um, and if heaven forbid, if they go with Taylor Cornelius, I will absolutely pick them to finish last because he had such a rough season. Um, at the moment, maybe Edmonton, but I think if Bo is, if Bo is, is back or at least not leading the league in interceptions, Calgary has a ton of talent. I think Saskatchewan's going to be good. I think BC, if as I said, if they get even average quarterback play from Nathan Rourke with what they've done to their team, both on offense and defense, yikes. They're going to be real good as well. And then the the Bombers are the Great Cup champs and got a lot of their stars back. So Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton will be the ones as we get closer to May that I'll be watching for who's going to be the, uh, the last place team in the CFL. I don't know if I'll say they'll be awful because I'm not sure they're awful like – 2021 Ottawa's roster was awful, but yeah, the, those are the three that I'll be watching. I don't think what you can ever Canadian come close. Canadian quarterback experiment bomb in BC? <laughs> uh, what kind of opportunity might be there for Isaac Harker? And why do you think it just turns sour for him here? We didn't get this, like what we saw of Isaac, I, I honestly don't know what happened between, you know, uh, say week 15 and then the end of the season for yeah, Isaac. Just like, all of a we, sudden... Yeah. We, week one, 2019, he goes into the game. Fajardo gets injured. Uh, pardon me. Kolaris gets injured. Fajardo gets injured. Isaac goes in the game and goes right after Delvin Bro with Shaq Evans. And I thought, Delvin Bro is really good at that short side corner. And you just went after him. He's like, yeah, that's, that's just how I play football. Uh, the final game of that season, uh, Fajardo's injured. A must-win game against Edmonton. Harker goes in. The Riders win the game. Oh, that's... That's pretty good. I don't believe his numbers were incredible, but they won the game with him at quarterback. Uh, the Hamilton game, week 16, the Riders, it didn't affect their playoff position at all. I for, Oh, and the Hamilton went into that game believing they might need to win it to, to get a home playoff game. Uh, but then Montreal didn't care about the earlier game that day, so things changed for them in the hour before their game. Hamilton was clearly trying to win that game early on. And it was not; it wasn't a good performance. But 
I mean, Mason Fine in that game had one throw, right? He had the one throw to McKinnis, was it? The big long one. You know, yeah. okay, that was that was a real nice play on the run, but is that on just the surface isn't enough to say, okay, well, Isaac's out, Mason's in. But then coaches have everything in practice up to that point to to go off as well. I I don't know where where it went where the riders would have turned against Isaac or maybe just didn't see enough. He didn't have a ton of opportunities because Fajardo is very uh, dependable and he's always available to play except for when he gets stabbed in the, in the ribs by whatever that was before the 2019 playoffs. Um, yeah. I honestly don't know because Isaac's got some, got some real good qualities to him. And I think BC wants to, wants to take a look. It is a mind bog. Another one too, we're going to, Paxton Lynch, I know he gets he gets whenever his name gets mentioned, he gets picked up by the American papers. I don't know. Hmm. I, he's kind of like and I looked back, picked it up. Yeah, sorry. The New York Post picked it up. The I other know. Day. Riders release a quarterback yeah. ends up in the New York Post. I found it interesting. I kind of compared him. Like I always wondered what Vince Young, you were what Vince Young could have done. We never saw what Vince Young could have done with the Riders because he got hurt so early, and if he could have mm-hmm. played, we never got a chance to see what Paxton Lynch could do, and I think. People are slamming him, saying, you know, he's a bust and he's a, one of the worst top 10 quarterbacks in the, in the history of organized football in Regina. But I, I'm not quite sure if it's even fair to say that about a guy who sure never got is. a That's chance. That's my column to... for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I was going yeah. to touch on that, Rob, give you a little boost. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. But he never Mer- had a chance I... to show what he could do. Even in practice, yeah, he never. give himself a chance. Well, and part, and part of that... To be, to be fair to everybody, part of that was Paxton Lynch's choice, right? He would have been – he's almost certainly on that roster for the final week if he was vaccinated. Yes. But he had reasons for not getting vaccinated. And the writers – I assume the writers went, well, we can't take you to the playoffs, so what's the point of having you in this game? What we saw from Paxton Lynch in practice and in training camp, like that guy could in, – in, for the full context, he was never in a game situation, right? So he was very – his body language, very relaxed fantastic thrower of the football dropping it down the chimney humming it on, on out patterns like paxton you see the the arm that got him picked in the first round of the nfl draft You're like wow this is great and he seems good and he seems you know the green and white game You're like okay well, this isn't 100 percent full speed but he you know this seems like it's going okay for him he maybe could have been something but we never saw him you know in a, in a cfl game where the opposing team is trying to absolutely kill you and we've seen, like, I'll, I'll always go back to Drew Willie, who Ryder fans remember. But when he he was with the Bombers, he, to me, he just kind of lost his ability to play in the pocket. And they replace him with Matt Nichols, and they go on to some success. Willie goes to Toronto, and I saw him in training camp, and I'm like, this guy can throw the hell out of the football. Wow, this is fantastic. But when he got back into the game, what I kind of saw was a quarterback who was jittery and wanted to get the ball out because pressure might be coming. And, I, and like, okay. Throwing the football and being a quarterback, totally different things. So I, I love the thought of, of what Paxton Lynch might have been able to do, but I don't believe I have any sense of what he would have been as a CFL quarterback just because I throw, saw, saw him throw beautiful footballs in training camp. My sure. column, by the way, for, uh, for Friday's paper is uh, top 10 quarterback busts in Rough Rider history. So Homer Jordan. Pa- Homer Jordan. Lynch is you on can't the put list. Paxton on there. Paxton he is definitely a, on the list. He was the third string quarterback. Like yeah, what? First round draft choice comes in here and doesn't, and doesn't even end up doing anything. So that's, well, that's why he's not number one. Okay. This Just young defend is your column. <laughs> defend your coming column. At what point would you have replaced Cody Fajardo this season? Um... There was no cause to. 
But when you can't even so there's no place for lynch. Even, oh, done. When you can't even keep yourself in the city, that introduces the element of bust. That takes him away for, or flop. That takes him away from being on the podium. But I think he's comfortably number six. I hope Homer Jordan's on that list. Homer Jordan's on the list. <laughs> Joe seven forty seven Adams. Todd Reesing. Tom Clements is on the list. That's oh. on. Um, it's unfair um, to Paxton to unseat the former West nominee for MOP. Come on. But he couldn't even unseat anybody to like stick around town. He <laughs> just that that connotes bust when you get when you leave when you leave either with the playoffs imminent or during the playoffs. You can't even stay around town. Like that that definitely cements your presence on the list, not as a top guy, <laughs> but I think number six is comfortable. Maybe get vaccinated, the, kids. Besides, get your he's, shots. The, he's the he premise for the entire column. I can't get away with a column if I don't have Paxton Lynch being released as the impetus for this otherwise completely out of the blue uh, uh, scroll of the top ten quarterback flops in rider history. Gotta maybe have when hook, people so. go, maybe when people Google Paxton Lynch ten years down the road, they'll say, "You couldn't be. You could play football without being vaccinated," and they'll wonder how that or not. You can't play. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a different world and we change it to all of that, all of that stuff back then. Yeah. Rick, I'm going to have to do this because we're talking about you going to Winnipeg. It's a wonderful idea. I'm looking forward to it. But we're also losing another media personality who's just been so much fun to watch doing her weather reports. Putting up with you, I think that makes that elevates her to say, I'm talking about Fiona Odlum, who's a CBC yep. weather specialist. Obviously, you, you two have led, I wrote a story about in QC, and I keep linking it to it. An incredible married life of living apart. Long, bring, you put the long and long distance marriages. <laughs> I was when I saw you were going to Winnipeg. Says, "Oh God, I hope Fiona's going with them." Maybe oh just, yeah. Just what? What about her? And how? How? And maybe how important is you two have to move together as a couple, having experienced? I don't know how long you've been married. Twenty years, I think. And if it's we, that long, uh, twenty ten. So this is year twelve. Twelve, and maybe you've been together for in the same city for four of those years. Oh, no, no, no. We were so uh, a lot of them. I, le I left Winnipeg in November 2014. So there, that was a year and a month we were apart. We then, uh, gosh, September, October of 2016 until we came here. Uh, okay, you're making me do math in my uh, in my head. <laughs> you're the numbers guy. So, so probably, probably about there's probably about a four year in two separate stretches where we didn't didn't work in the same city and and they were in different provinces. So yeah, those were those were rough, but uh, I mean, ultimately it led us to CDC weather specialist Fiona Odlum and then uh, and then voice of the riders Derek Taylor. So we we kind of we succeeded in we went we're making this sacrifice and there were a couple of sacrifices along the way but we're making this sacrifice in order to get to a great place and then in 2019 we landed in a great place both at cbc and at ckrm how was her reaction with you I just when wanna... you think of your time in saskatchewan uh your three years here you know when you're on the cayman islands with your utopian retirement um yeah. what do you think will be the notion that really lingers when you think of the time you spent here it certainly wasn't this podcast i'm sorry to do this to you here. <laughs> yeah um honestly as i move from place to place and like in my in my working career i've been in toronto canmore alberta Kamloops, bc winnipeg toronto regina and now winnipeg again it's honestly it's honestly the friends that you make along the way and that sounds kind of sappy but like i'm every time i come back for for as long as as i get to see him i'm gonna remember the mermudgeon because one, I'm very, I'm very proud of having given Murray McCormick the nickname Murmudgeon, but 
But two, I'm going to remember practice days with Murray. I'm going to remember conversations with you, Rob. I'm going to, like, I'll never forget Luke Mullender. Come on. Like, uh, Luke and I hope our buddies till, till we die because it's, it's been an absolute treat being on the road with him. And he's got a lot of qualities as a person that I want to uh, instill in myself. So I admire him in, in that respect. And I, and I want that to uh, exist forever. Uh, I'll, Zinger, Zinger's, I'm going to have Zinger buried with me when I die. I love that guy <laughs> so much. Um, so honestly, as you go from place to place, you know, there's memories of, oh man, the food there was fantastic. Remember that Western pizza? That was great. Uh, but it's, it's the people along the way. And I'll be looking forward to May 23rd preseason game back at Mosaic stadium, uh, the labor day Sunday back at Mosaic stadium. Cause I'll get to see some of these beautiful smiling faces. Right. And I'm, I'm very happy about that. And those are the things that you take with you when you're in a broadcasting for a lot of folks can be. Uh, you know, a career where you're quite transient, as as I've shown with, hey, I'm on the move again. But uh, it's it's the people along the way, because you can take those, especially now in this era, you can take those people with you anywhere. I was wondering when you saw the... With? Sorry. Sorry, Rob. Sorry, Rob. I'm just, I was just deferring to, to Murr on the basis Sorry. of age. This is maybe personal, but I'm wondering if when Fiona saw the opening come up in Winnipeg for that spot, did she kind of look at you and nudge you and say, uh... That's where I was born. I lived there a long time. Do you want to kind of maybe look into that a little bit? Uh, it's we both kind of, we both kind of knew it would come eventually. We talked about it the first time Bob had mentioned it in the media that oh, I wonder if if that would be right for us when it when it does come open. And then we learned Bob officially was retiring, and we're like, hmm, wonder if this is right for us. And we kind of contemplated everything because Fiona's been doing great things at CBC Saskatchewan, like fantastic, and now she's doing the weather there every night uh, on, on the, uh, on the basis. And, you know, was that going to turn into something permanent? So this is, I mean, this is actually, this is a sacrifice for her because she was in a fantastic spot in her job. And any, anybody who's a part of a couple who's watching probably understands that when you both have careers that you're very passionate about thing, you have to kind of go, Oh, okay. Well, we have to consider, the sum of this and, and what's the best for us in on the whole as opposed to what's best for us as individuals because uh yeah so there was it's it's hard like she's she's making a sacrifice you know again for for my career and i don't i don't take that lightly by any stretch but when we kind of as we kind of evaluated on the whole it seems like uh at least my you know working life is going to improve dramatically in this circumstance and though and so she's willing to to take the hit uh in her working life and kind of it's not starting back at the beginning but there's a, there's a bit of a reset in there for her moving to essentially a new place though one she's been to before so it's it, it's hard and it's it's kind of hard to ask that of your of your spouse but yeah it's it's we kind of look at it and go okay overall what's the best decision for us at one point, it was, yes, you should leave Toronto and take that job in Saskatoon because you can get some experience you've never had before and get into a place that she ended up really liking, living in Saskatoon. Uh, those sacrifices are, are kind of hard along the way, but uh, but you make them. And then hopefully, uh, I'll say it again, uh, hopefully this is the last job I ever have to audition and interview for because uh, this this should be the one. I, I, hope, I hope this job turns out amazing and I... I retire after 47 years at the age of 94 because I got a match with Bob did. <laughs> Not the 94 part, obviously, but the 47 years part. 
it's interesting because for the next couple of months, the uh, sports cage starts every day at four. So you're simultaneously the voice of the Rough Riders and the voice of the Blue Bombers. What is it like leaving, leading this dual existence right now? It must be uh, interesting to just kind of structure your day. Yeah, it's honestly, it hasn't been that hard yet because you just you just have to be honest right that's the one thing i always wanted to be here was was be honest about what when we're talking about the cfl is is the big one but just be honest about what you see in the cfl and like we talked about earlier it's biased in favor of the home team honest but you're you're honest about what you see you're like well i look at this and i don't know that i love that or i look at this and man that's fantastic but it, as long as that's your honest opinion of it and you're not putting it on to be you know to get clicks and stuff like that then then it's really not too hard a transition to make uh, when when I'm on CKRM. I know, hey, I'm talking to people who are in Saskatchewan, or or are if they're not in Saskatchewan, they are listening because they want to hear it from a Saskatchewan perspective and they want to hear it from a rider's perspective. So it's it's honestly not not that hard to to give it to them. It it there are probably some spots where it'll take a little tap dancing. Someone texted yesterday, go, oh, how come you're not criticizing the bombers today? As if that was some sort of gotcha. I'm like. And when the bombers need to be criticized, uh, I'll criticize them. What, uh, what, what do you think I've been doing here for three years? We're just, <laughs> we're just trying to call it like it is and give you the honest truth about what's happening with the team and teams that you love. Mer, anything else before we let uh, Derek prepare for the show that he's actually got to do for yeah. a living today? He's doing well, this for free. I think best of luck I'm, to you and Fiona. I think it's so cool that you get to get to move that place and answer all of our questions and hopefully people tune into this and say, Hey, there's the answers from Derek. And they went, well, it was yeah. fun. I think the mermudgeon, I'm going to try to be a little happier this year. Maybe. I like it. Maybe I not. like it. No, I was happy to join you guys. And I want to do it today because I knew the news was going to break yesterday and I wanted you guys to be uh, the first one I got a real extended chat with. And yeah, uh, I've, I've let some stuff slip, uh, a little more stuff slip than I did in my interviews yesterday because I, you know, I, I love and respect you guys. And Rob, we know each other from before I even came here. And you were the first one I told I was coming here. And, and Murray, I've gotten to know you in the last three years. And yeah, you always, I want to be invited to those dinners, Mur. Don't forget me when it comes to those dinners because I'll be on the road now and I'll be able to come. We'll be at Memories or wherever. I'm in. There's a spot safe on the Labor Day Saturday. Our friendship perfect. has endured the Broncos versus Packers in your basement. And I, we, it was uh, 2019, and you were nice enough to invite me over. And Sean Kleisinger was over there at the time. And the Broncos, as the Broncos have been doing for the past handful of years, just had an awful day. And I was miserable company. And I think I cleaned you out of potato chips and virtually every other little <laughs> snack that you had. And I chewed through the door of your refrigerator to get to more stuff. And you were a wonderful host, and you've been a great friend. I think to people of Saskatchewan for during your tenure here, and uh, and I know we're all going to follow your career with a lot of uh, admiration and and even uh, even some envy once you do get to the Cayman Islands. So we may be hitting you up then as well. Yeah, last time I went there, there was an earthquake. So I, I don't know, I'm getting a little sketchy on that. But no, I pre I appreciate you guys, and I, and I love the work you do at the Leader Post. So I follow you religiously, and that and that won't change, even though I'm moving down the road. There's also Perfect. a lovely home in Emerald Park for sale. With, it's a great home. With a tea, how many seats you got in your TV theater there? Your theater room? Uh, seven. Seven. Yeah. With let me, let me seats. Uh, okay, so this is that's the back row, and uh, okay, that's that's the projector, which is now 4K by the way, all upgraded due to my 
hard work over Christmas time and uh, before. So all brand new cables and 115 inch screen and watch for it coming to a uh, a realtor site near you. <laughs> and it backs onto a golf course. What more could you ask? Onto the 10th hole, right? Brand new clubhouse just within stone's throw. <laughs> Where are the dogs? Where are oh. the dogs? I, I lock Ruby and Louie outside or else Ruby would be demanding I, uh, I throw her ball for 50 minutes while we talk. So I, I have to lock them outside. <laughs> Rob hasn't Perfect. taught Candy how to chase a ball yet. Uh, Rob, so or I'm, Rob, Candy hasn't taught you how to chase a ball yet. We probably. I there. bought her a tennis ball the day we got her. I went to um, PetSmart and I bought her a Doggy 101 kit. And yeah. that ball is still sitting in the car. She liked everything except the the tennis ball. So uh, yeah. anybody anybody needs a doggy tennis ball, let me know. I've I've got a freebie for anybody who's uh, and I can guarantee it's virtual mint condition. She hasn't even put it in her mouth, basically. So there you go. On that right. uh, ignominious note, I'm gonna do the old uh, extra here so that uh, I can uh, mollify our my bosses who insist that I say this at the conclusion of every podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. Boy, am I staying this in a staccato, disinterested fashion. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever that is, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can mail email rob at rvanstonepostmedia.com, and we will read it on the show. You can also you can follow me, Rob, on Twitter at, at Rob Vanstone. Uh, Murray at at Murray LP, and you can follow Derek at DT, DT at Sports Cage. If I got that right off memory, DT on SC, DT on SC. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. Right. That is it for today. We'll be back when we are back. Uh, we, we like I said, we weren't going to do one this week, but uh, with with uh, the news regarding Derek, I think we I think the timing was absolutely perfect, and Derek, we're. We're really appreciative of the time you spent with us today and, and over the past three years. And uh, thanks again for everything. I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Take care.